Francisco and Beyond's Underground Comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? <laughs> it's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> Miss a bit of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival from March 2nd through 6th, 2016. Buy tickets now. Brought to you by Subliminal SF, PBR, The Eagle SF, Brainwash Cafe, Asiento, and the great people at Alta California Botanicals. Subliminal SF, visual and auditory mind control, graphic design, physical merchandise, live music promotions. Go www.subliminalsf.com for the most amazing t-shirts you've ever seen, graphic design for every need, and live music promotion at some of the best bars in San Francisco. That's Subliminal SF, visual and auditory mind control. Go to SubliminalSF.com now. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and beyond underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. Unreleasable native California animals. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be like in front of an audience, like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shit. From time to time, I've given it a thought or two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl! Are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. 
So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> The dictionary definition of the adjective eclectic is selecting or choosing from various sources. When Bay Area musician J.D. Buell brings you Morning Train Wednesday, 10 a.m. to noon on Mutiny Radio, that is exactly what he does. Select music from various sources to give you a unique listening experience. Rock, pop, jazz, bluegrass, gospel, funk, reggae, folk, blues, country and western, electronica, soul, disco, rhythm and blues, punk and post-punk. Come together with music from around the world, with Buell's passionate and down-to-earth delivery. In an age of personal music delivery systems, J.D. Buell carries on the values of progressive FM radio, when a listener could actually have a relationship with a programmer, someone who would create an eclectic musical environment, we're in both listener and host find fulfillment. The Morning Train with J.D. Buell, Wednesday, 10 to noon on MutinyRadio.fm. Freeform radio for free minds. Did you know that compact fluorescent light bulbs use 60% less energy than regular light bulbs? And that each one saves about 300 pounds of carbon dioxide a year. If all Americans switch to CFLs, we would save more than 90 billion pounds of carbon dioxide. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Muni Radio in San Francisco. People from all over the Bay Area come to the Lindsay Wildlife Museum to experience close encounters with live wild animals. The museum's living collection features more than 50 species of non-releasable native California animals. Visitors can see and learn about wildlife such as eagles, owls, bobcats, coyotes, reptiles, and other fascinating creatures. The museum's world-renowned Wildlife Rehabilitation Hospital treats more than 5,000 wild animals each year with the goal of returning them to their native habitat. The Lindsay Wildlife Museum is in Walnut Creek. To learn more, visit wildlife-museum.org. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. Safe sex is more than just avoiding STIs and pregnancy, no matter what you're into. Make sure that you and those around you feel safe, comfortable, and are having a good time. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. Meals on Wheels is dedicated to fostering independent living for San Francisco seniors by providing hot, nutritious meals delivered to their homes. They're committed to fostering independent living for as long as possible. For more information, please call Meals on Wheels at 415-920-1111. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco.
Hello, and welcome to Women's Magazine. I'm Global Val. It's not all that we're saying, but it's it's one of the big things that we're saying here. Give peace a chance. That's what everybody wants. Actually, last weekend at Earth Day San Francisco, I got to be one of the speakers, which was I was very honored to be. And, uh, you know, my, my radio name is Global Val, and there's a few reasons for that. And one of the reasons is I've, I've been to 17 different countries, and what I've found as a, as a common thread, so to speak, uh, around the world is that people want people want basically the same things. They want happiness, they want peace, and they want health for their families and communities. And that's something that I think we have the capabilities of achieving in the 21st century. And so I'm dedicating today's women's magazine on mutinyradio.fm to the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom. They go by the acronym WILPF which is kind of hard to say, W-I-L-P-F, Women's International League for Peace and Freedom. And they have been uh, a, an international women's organization for 100 years. They formed out of the ashes of World War I and have been working together ever since. And uh, one of our friends, actually, Alexandria Rain-Smith, you could find her on Facebook. She's a poet. She was part of a, a WILP um, summit last summer. And this year, she was invited to The Hague for the one, for the for the centennial, the, the 100th anniversary of WILP, and, uh, which just happened this past week. And she was one of the, well, I'm calling her the keynote poet because she was invited to, to perform her poetry. So thank you to Alex, Alexandra Rain-Smith for being my liaison to WILP and um, op- opening this door for all of us here to, uh, to, to gain from what that organization has to say. Being that it is a hundred years old, that means World War One was a hundred years ago. Um, the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom met, and they created a manifesto to reiterate and to augment and clarify some of their some of their key beliefs and and uh, what they're working towards for the next hundred years of peace building in the world. So today, I'd like to read for you that manifesto, the 2015 Women's International League for Peace and Freedom Manifesto. Here we go, folks. We, members of the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom, someone from each of those reading series to be represented at City Hall. And then we also have a big lucky green hat that you can put your own name in the back and uh, for a spot to read. And it was a really beautiful night last night at City Hall. Um, I would say the majority of the chairs were filled, but uh, definitely the room was filled and, and there was a lot of great energy in there. And, you know, as I walked in today here to Mutiny Radio, to hear that podcast playing from last year, uh, reading about the, the WILP manifesto, <laughs> the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom, W-I-L-P-F, which is hard to say, WILP. Um, listen, listening to that 
broadcast from last year, it just reminded me that, wow, so many of these issues are still relevant today. Um, I know it was just a year ago, but you'd think that we could, you know, be maybe moving in a, in, in a you know, faster pace past, past some of these problems. But, you know, a few months go by in a flash. So not, we're still dealing with an, an, a nationwide issue about police brutality, um, police killings. Right now in the Mission District on 17th and uh, Valencia, where the Mission Police Station is, we've had a group of residents here, San Franciscans, who have been staging a hunger strike in front of the police station to try to get them to uh, acknowledge that the police have been killing predominantly people of brown and black skin and uh, in, you know, young, young people and in, in many cases in situations where it seemed that the person who was shot and killed by police posed little to no threat to anyone. Um, and so those hunger strikers are actually calling for the mayor, Ed Lee, to either step down himself or to fire the current police chief, Chief uh, Greg Soar. And yeah, a hunger strike. I mean, hunger strikes are something that you that you hear about like happening inside prisons, you know, where people can't get out. So they're subject to all these rules and, and and uh, conditions, um, but these are actual just citizens who live here in San Francisco and are fed up and and just highly, highly concerned about the state of affairs here in San Francisco in terms of the police and their relationship with the public. Um, now, I don't have the latest update. I know that they were, as of yesterday, they had been there for seven days. And then um, I only got a brief moment to check in yesterday, and it looked like the police had started to erect barriers outside to try to drive them off. I'm not sure what the update is right now, but um, this is making you know national, international news. I know that the Huffington Post did an article about it, um, and of course, all our local, local media outlets as well but um, this is a, a significant you know attention getter because if you look across the nation I mean we just see it time and again of, of young people not of light colored skin getting killed by police in situations where you know posing little to no threat um, so I think what we're looking at here is about a shift of culture um, shift of police culture you know this whole idea of shoot to kill is really out of control I remember I, I grew up here in San Francisco and uh, not that old I'm pretty pretty young actually uh, I grew up here in the 80s born in the early 80s and anyhow I remember having police officers visit my classes for various reasons. They would do outreach, like, you know, they'd tell us about, you know, don't do drugs and um, tell us about the dangers of strangers. And, you know, they were actually doing like community outreach service, uh, trying to keep kids safe. And I'm sure that they still do those kinds of things. Um, but one of the things that I remember, and it, it was coming from the police officers themselves and also community members and my, fa my parents and teachers and all the, all the adults said, when the police stop you, if they police stop someone, they are not supposed to touch their weapons unless there is clear and present danger, basically, you know, if someone's coming at them. And even in that situation, they're not going to shoot to kill, you know, they want to, they want to disarm the person, they want to, you know, tamper the threat. And, and that was the policy. And, you know, so... So we've gone a very far, we've gone way far beyond that, where every, so many people that I talk to, when they've had interactions with the police, often the police ha have their hand right there on their weapons, or people have had interactions with police, and, and these are nonviolent people, these are people who are just, you know, stopped for something, or, you know, in, in a place where the p police had, had, had arrived, and actually had the police, this, you know, like, actually you know, wielding their weapons in these non, 
violent, non-conflictual situations. So the the whole culture uh, and and policy of authority um, for for what we refer to. Uh, these days now tongue-in-cheek as peace officers you know who we would like to support we would like to have the peace officers and the good people in our community who want to serve this city and to serve the communities across the country and protect citizens you know I think we like that um, but obviously it's gotten um, quite out of control so it just made me think about that with the the Wilp manifesto uh, about you know police violence and and also the environment the environment uh, this last weekend I had the the honor of being the MC for the Cesar Chavez Day Parade Festival and also the Earth Day Festival both uh, here in the Mission District and uh, I had the real honor of introducing uh, the speakers who had been put together by Monica Lopez um, who's been working a lot about for labeled GMOs. We had really amazing people come out. Uh, the, the theme of the day was sowing the seeds of change. Um, so we had, we had Penny Opal Plant and Osprey Oriole Lake. Um, these are two women who are uh, dedicated to um, the rights of environment and indigenous peoples and, and women. And actually, uh, Osprey is going to be calling into Women's Magazine next Friday, which is May 6th. Um, but they have an event that's coming up tomorrow, and it is the Bay Area Rights of Nature Tribunal. What would the Delta say? So in, um, they're working to recognize the rights of nature in our laws, focusing on the draining of Delta waterways, Delta species extinctions, and the proposed Delta tunnels. It'll be featuring tribunal judges, including Joanna Macy, Gary M uh, Mulcahy, Shannon Biggs, and Tim Strochane. So that is tomorrow, Saturday, April 30th, from 9.30 a.m. to 2 p.m., with a discussion to follow at the Nick Rodriguez Community Center Theater. That is at 2 13 F Street in Antioch. Again, that's uh, the Nick Rodriguez Community Center Theater in Antioch. Um, and I've got their, the, the flyer here um, to explain it a little bit more. It says, our laws fail to respect nature's rights to exist, to thrive and evolve. Treating nature as merely resources harms people and the environment. The Bay Area Rights of Nature Tribunal is the first local tribunal modeled after the highly successful International Tribunal on the Rights of Nature, coinciding with the Paris Climate Talks. The tribunal will address violations of nature's rights and human rights caused by Delta water grabs. Join us in creating a new relationship with the Delta and the Earth. Admission is free, but you should RSVP. Uh, it actually, RSVP is required. Um, so you can register at therightsofnature.org slash what would the Delta say. Uh, what would the Delta say is divided by hyphen through each word. Um, they're also on Facebook, the Bay Area Rights of Nature Alliance. And if you want to get more details, you can contact, there's a couple people there you can contact, Lindy, uh, Linda Sheehan, that's lsheehan at earthlaw.org, or Shannon Biggs, that's shannon at movementrights.org. Um, so yeah. Get out there and be part of this Bay Area Rights of Nature Tribunal. Um, there'll be a discussion, uh, collaboration on and solu discussing solutions and next steps and have insights from Bay Area ecological justice, human rights, local economy, indigenous women's and other groups. And that's presented again by the Bay Area Rights of Nature Alliance, bringing people together to advance nature's rights in the San Francisco Bay and Delta area. So here we are. A year after the 100th anniversary of the Women's International League of Peace and Freedom's uh, re-released manifesto, and we see that people are indeed working towards some of these goals in order to form a more peaceful, healthy, and thereby happy world. Thanks for listening to Women's Magazine with Global Val. I'm really happy to be here. I'm very grateful to be part of this uh, worldwide community. And so let me play a little music for you. It is 
National Poetry Month. Here's a little John Trudell, and it's called Poetic Motion. You're listening to MutinyRadio.fm. Every way, every day turns. Some say our fates are sealed. Anyway, the candle burns. The harvest is the yield. She isn't Barbie, but she's had her chance at plastic. She isn't hard. She knows difference some streets make. She isn't easy, but she's taken long search looking for love. She isn't young, but she's not as old as she feels at times. She isn't old, but she never really got over being young. She isn't running, but she's seen the rough in world too tough. listening to Women's Magazine with Global Val here on MutinyRadio.fm. And I also want to let you know that we've come into the 21st century. I know it's 2016. I know, I know. But, um, you know, Mutiny Radio, we're a community station. So, you know, we've got a bunch of DJs here where we pay our dues and we piece things together and make sure that we all our equipment works and we've got the lights on and the doors can stay open. Pretty basic stuff. We're not here making any money off of our broadcasting, believe me. But, um, you know, and we produce, of course, a lot, almost everything here is original or it's local music and, and we get the blessing of, of those who, who contribute their music to the show and their work to the shows. Um, and so... What's exciting in the 21st century part is that you can now listen to Women's Magazine and the Common Thread Collective, which comes up next with me and Diamond Dave and all our friends. You can now access that on Stitcher. Whatever, you know, I mean, if, if you're a Stitcher person, if you've got that app and you actually listen to other podcasts, you're awesome for listening to podcasts. And thank you for going through the mutinyradio.fm website, which, of course, also shows up at, as pcrcollective.org. Um, but now it can be super automatic. Uh, you can just go straight through in Stitcher. You can look up Women's Magazine 
Global Val and the Common Thread Collective. And uh, you can subscribe, I believe, and listen whenever you want. So if that's a, a better feature for you and your friends, please go listen to us through there. Uh, we'd love we'd love to expand um, the access to this show. And uh, I want to take the next couple minutes and tell you about some events that are coming up. Um, speaking of speaking of uh, looking at the environment and how we can save ourselves and the planet and all life on planet Earth. So on May 2nd, um, in Hayward, right there in the East Bay, it's going to be a fracking showdown at the Planning Commission. So on Monday, May 2nd, at 5.45 to 8 p.m. at 224 West Winton Avenue in Hayward, California, um, they're going to the Planning Commission. Um and uh, to try to get to try to ban fracking. Hey there, happy Friday, everybody. This is Global Val, and it is May 13th now, and uh, you were listening to last week's podcast of the show. So I wanted to, to quickly switch over before I started announcing events that had already passed. Um, but always, of course, it's good to follow up and see, see what's happening. So I want to play a little music for you, and I want to wish you all a very happy Friday. I know it's been a kind of a heady week uh, for a lot of folks. Maybe it's because uh, Mercury and Mars are in retrograde. I don't know, but maybe you woke up in kind of a funk like I did yesterday, and you got to shake it off. So uh, here's some uh, interplanetary uh, music from the very cool international crew, Lost at Last. To shake out those juju, juju sides.
That was a little music from Lost at Last. I'm Global Val here at MutinyRadio.fm. Really happy Friday to everybody out there. It's the middle of May. Uh, it's actually the, th- the, uh, the third weekend in May. You know what that means here in San Francisco is Sunday is going to be beta breakers. That's right. There's that over a hundred year old foot race turned house uh, street party. And uh, we want to wish everybody out there a really happy weekend, but also a very safe weekend um, and a clean weekend. You know, San Francisco has enough problems to worry about and they don't need uh, more uh, gigantic messes to clean up. So if you're here in the city or if you're coming in from out of town, um, make sure that if you've got things uh, on your personage that uh, you may need to discard at some point, um, find the proper receptacle for them because the city so graciously comes through and cleans up after this gigantic party of a mess that everybody leaves that uh, on the Sunday. And uh, it, it can be a lot of fun, but it also uh, another precaution. Don't drink so much that you're going to fall over. Um, a lot of ugliness ensues. Um, I've seen people pass out and like fall down at like 10 in the morning. You know, it's, it's not that crucial that you, that you get, uh, you know, so wasted that you can't enjoy yourselves. Um, but of course we want to, want to make sure you, we're all looking out for each other and take care of your friends and, uh, take care of your trash. And, um, of course you might, uh, you might want to rally around the, the freedom flag. Um, you know, that's something that I've actually been flying at beta breaker since 2010. Uh, if you, if you, if you go out onto the Google sphere and Google Fweedum, that's F W E E D O M. Uh, you'll see the, you'll see the flag. Um, so I actually had made it back in 2010, uh, for beta breakers, you know, it was going to be, uh, it was satirical, you know, it was like patriotic stoners. Hey, why not? Um, and uh, the first year that I flew it, and I really kind of did it just so that, you know, I could never get lost because every, all my friends would always find me. Um, and, and it continues to work in that, in that regard. Um, that first year I flew it, man, I can't tell you how much, like, wicked response I got to that. People run up and they start yelling, freedom, freedom. And it's... Um, it means something, a little something different to everybody. Um, but after that, it kind of uh, acted as a catalyst. And and uh, later uh, that year, actually, I guess it was uh, maybe 2011 by this point, um, they had, the, no, it was the end of 2010. They had the, uh, the John Stewart and Stephen Colbert had the rally to restore sanity and or fear in Washington, D.C., and my friend was like, we should go to that. And I, and, uh, and I said, you know what? We should go to that. And I'm going to bring the freedom flag. So I brought the freedom flag to Washington, D.C. in October. It's kind of cold in October over there. Not snowing or anything, but as a West Coast girl, it was a, you know, it was a brisk East Coast autumn day. And uh, I had uh, secured some some balloons to fly uh, from the end of it because you got to hold it up somehow. And I left the balloons at my friend's apartment uh, who I was staying with. But I got there and some really nice people came up and gave me a couple of uh, sticks. So we taped it to the, the two ends of the sticks and uh, I was able to hold it up. And lots of people were coming up to take pictures of it just because it's kind of a funny thing, right? So one of the people who came up to, to take a picture ended up being from the Associated Press. And she told me, she said, I'm from the Associated Press. Um, can, you know, I want to take your picture. Um, and, you know, maybe we'll use it for something. And I said, well, how am I going to know? You know, she wanted my name and everything. I said, well, how am I going to know? She said, well, just wait like a day or two and then Google yourself. Google your name and your and your age and, and see, see if anything comes up. So... Meanwhile, I'm in Washington, D.C. Uh, the Giants win the World Series, and I'm surrounded by people who don't care. And then the next day, I flew home to San Francisco. I got on, the, got on my computer and said, I wonder. And I Googled uh, my name, uh, Valley Barra, and San Francisco. And sure enough, there I was standing there with the freedom flag. And I thought, well, that's great. Like, that's hilarious. Like, it actually got up put up by, you know, in some regard. And then I realized that that picture was actually used 
internationally in publications around the world. So not only online, uh, you know, online news um, as coverage for the rally, which very really didn't get a whole lot of press, even though there were probably like 200,000 people there. Um, it was right before the elections, uh, midterm elections. Um, so, you know, a lot of people had come out. It was 2010, fall of 2010. And uh, yeah, so, so there were like several pictures um, used in the news, uh, for, used in news stories about that event. Um, and there were probably only like five or six pictures. There's a picture of John Stewart on stage. It's a picture of Stephen Colbert wearing some sort of, you know, evil Knievel kind of, uh, you know, s- star spangled moto suit. Um, <laughs> there's a picture of Ozzy Osbourne cause he was there to sing crazy train, uh, with Cat Stevens who was singing peace train. Uh, and then the OJs came out and saying love train, you know, that was like the progression. Um, how, how are we going to get everybody together? You know, we can't all, everyone doesn't want to get on this love train or the, the peace train. And, uh, you know, so many other people think we were all in this crazy train. And then they brought out the OJs to say, just get on the love train. Um, so there were some, there were some highlights to the, to the event, but then the other picture was me with the freedom flag. And, uh, you know, found it really hilarious. I actually stoked the, uh, the fires of some right wing, uh, blo- people in the blogosphere. Um, one of my favorite quotes that I read about myself, uh, <laughs> somebody saying, uh, you know, time to put down the bong princess and get a real job. Um, which I thought was hilarious. Um, so obviously (laughs) the freedom flag had some impact and actually my favorite little story about it is that that picture showed up, as I said, on many, many, uh, websites and news sites. And on one of them, um, you know, it was a, it was a story about the, the rally to restore sanity and or fear. And then down below, there were a number of pictures that you could, you know, click on and, and look at, look at. And, um, so there was a series of, of little pictures on, on the right hand side, kind of lower. And there was picture of me with the freedom flag and right next to me was Sarah Palin. (laughs) So I'm pretty proud of myself for getting up there to show the, the contradictory nature of, uh, of what the vast, uh, public, uh, opinion, the, the, the range of it really can be in this country. So that's a little bit of the history or history of the freedom flag. So if you come out to beta breakers, you might see me fly in it. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to Women's Magazine. listening to women's magazine here on mutiny radio.fm i'm global val and uh, on the topic of freedom freedom that is um i picked up a newspaper here it's from the uh, newspaper sfaq and inside is an essay uh, by angela davis who of course was a prominent um civil rights um figure in the, in the 60s, uh, she became the leader of the Communist Party, um, and she was involved with the Black Panthers as well. Um, and interesting, she became the leader of the Co- Communist Party in the United States, because a few months ago, I did a, a couple months ago, I did um, a show about Elizabeth Gurley Flynn, um, who was an 
union organizer, uh, rabble rouser in the United States in the earlier part of the 20th century. And she was actually the first woman to be the uh, actual head of the Communist Party in the United States. Uh, I am I am just stating historical fact. I am not a member of the Communist Party. Uh, I'm not a member of any party, actually. Um, even though Mama always told me, a woman never has to tell her age, her weight, or a political party. But since I have no political party, I can tell you that. So Angela Davis um, wrote this called The Meaning of Freedom, and this is from February of 2008, and it was delivered to the Metropolitan State College of Denver. So I'm going to read some excerpts from it because I think it really, uh, parts of it definitely um, speak to the, the tone of events happening definitely in this city here in San Francisco, um, but also across the country. Um, so I want to uh, read an excerpt from this, The Meaning of Freedom. I'll read her introduction and then I'm going to jump around a little bit. Angela Davis. Since the theme of this conference acknowledges the 200th anniversary of the abolition of the slave trade in 1808, I decided to talk about the meaning of freedom. The conference theme emphasizes 200 years of freedom. What has that freedom meant for people of African descent? What has that freedom meant for the black world? And what has been the relationship to communities that are differently racialized, but which nonetheless suffer under cycles of oppression? I suppose that very few people think about the fact that the institution of prison has claimed a place at the very core of black history, particularly since the abolition of slavery. It has been a constant theme in the collective lives of black people in this country. It has also been a constant theme in the collective lives of Chicanos, and it is increasingly a major aspect of the lives of people who are racially oppressed in Europe, as well as in Latin America, and when one looks at the continent of Africa, one can readily see the extent to which the institution of prison is actually beginning to replace institutions like education and healthcare. When Carter G. Woodson proposed in 1926 that the nation annually set aside one week of the for the celebration of Negro History Week, he was confronting a dominant culture that almost totally marginalized black accomplishments, and it was important to transmit the message that we were capable of vastly more than white supremacist society attributed to black communities. Then, of course, a half century later, the celebration was extended to the entire month. The month of February offers us a kind of microcosm of the history of the black world. February is the month, as far as the United States of America is concerned, when the 15th Amendment authorized black male suffrage. Of course, that means the right to vote, which I'd like to side note, uh, Global Val side note, the uh, women didn't get the right to vote until 1920 as well, which is not 100 years ago. So get out there and vote. Back to Angela Davis. February is significant to black history of of many other reasons as well. The Freeman's Aid Society was founded in February. W.B. Dubois was born in February 23rd, 1868, and it was on February 23rd, 1972, that I, Angela Davis, was released on bail. But it was also during the month of February that W.B. Dubois convened the first Pan-African Congress in 1919 to urge people of African descent throughout the world to unite in order to stand up against European imperialism. February was also the month when the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, Martin Luther King's organization, was established, and when the students staged sit-ins at the lunch counters in Greensboro, North Carolina. That was in February of 1960. We could actually continue to do a whole panorama of black history by looking at key events that happened during the month of February. But what I'd like to say now is that Black History Month seems to have become an occasion to generate profit. If you look at the Walmart website, Walmart, which is the largest corporation in the world, you'll see how they urge you to celebrate black history by buying their products. Walmart is, as the largest corporation in the world, demonstrates the impact that global capitalism has had on our lives and the conditions of neoliberalism under which we live and think. Through Walmart's action, we see how capitalism has insinuated itself into our desires, our dreams, and our ways of thinking about ourselves. We commodify ourselves. We make ourselves commodities. We commodify ourselves when we talk about how we're going to market ourselves. So keep that in mind as we go back and look at some aspects of black history. 
I'm going to jump over to this section that is titled The Structural Racism of the Prison. What's very interesting is that people don't get convicted anymore because they are black or because they are Chicano, but there are structures of racism that makes race matter in terms of determining who goes to prison, particularly who gets to go to prison and who gets to go to colleges and universities. How can we think about that structural racism? What is the relationship between the structural racism of slavery and the racism that is inscribed in the very processes that create trajectories that lead inevitably toward incarceration or higher education? The structural racism of the, of the prison can also be held responsible for the persistence of racism in the so-called free world. We are encouraged to think about racial equality as produced by adopting postures of colorblindness, right? We're all told that all we have to do is, is not notice race and racism is going to leave. It will go away. So there's a kind of learned ignorance because we can see race, but we know we are not supposed to see race. There's a kind of repression that oftentimes produces these many explosive expressions of racism. I can remember Michael Richards saying, quote, I'm not a racist. I don't even know where that came from. Increasingly, this is what people say. They can't understand how it is that a racist observation escapes from their lips. There's a whole psychic reservoir of racism in this country. Ooh, a psychic reservoir of racism. It's in the structures. It's in our collective psyche. All of us are affected by it. I'm not only talking about white people as the bearers of racism. I'm talking about ideologies and logics that inform the way all of us relate to the world. Prisons, of course, thrive on class inequalities. They thrive on racial inequalities. They thrive on gender inequalities. They produce and reproduce those inequalities because they segregate and isolate the individuals they punish. They also conceal the inequalities that they pr reproduce. The hidden danger of relying on incarceration as the major solution to behaviors that are often but the byproducts of poverty is that the solution reproduces the very problem it purports to solve. This is how we might begin to understand why the prison population constantly rises, not only in absolute numbers, but proportionately as well. It has nothing to do with the rise of crime statistics. As the rate of crime goes down, prison populations go up. So that was an excerpt from Angela Davis in her address at the Metropolitan State College of Denver, February 2008, called The Meaning of Freedom. And of course, that directly relates to a lot of the news, uh, the realities. I'll separate news from reality because often the news does not represent reality. A lot of the realities in this city, in this country, um, for example, um, just recently in Baltimore, there was the um, arrest of a young black man, um, Freddie, uh, Freddie Gray, um, who was arrested on, uh, for having a, I think, I think they said he had a, um, a switchblade, but he actually had a legal pocket knife, but they handcuffed him. They cuffed his feet. They threw him in a van, drove around town. The van, uh, by, by being unsecured inside the van, he broke, they broke his neck broke. And by the time he got to the police station, he wasn't breathing anymore. Um, so Baltimore has been in, um, a real uproar ever since. Um, but, but, uh, the district attorney just came out to indict the six cops that were involved in that, um, and charges ranging from manslaughter to murder. Um, and so, uh, you know, a lot of the, the kind of, well, the protests and then sometimes the protests have, have become riotous, um, now are kind of switching gears uh, to become victory parades because um, in Baltimore, which is a city whose whose population is majority uh, black or African American, um, and their mayor is African American, and the, and the uh, district attorney is as well, um, it, it's a it's it's kind of a big shift. It's a big recognition of um, poor judgment and uh, irresponsible behaviors 
of those who have been vested with the authority to patrol the public and supposedly act as officers of the peace. Um, we see here in San Francisco, uh, the Frisco Five went on a 17-day hunger strike to try to get the city, the mayor, to recognize um, that uh, obviously they're, the San Francisco Police Department, um, well, they, they, they want uh, the, the chief to, to be fired or to step down and the mayor has uh, refused to do that or refused to ask for uh, Chief Sir's uh, resignation. Um, but then we had this big blue panel review board that uh, that came out um, that was uh, headed by the um, uh, the district attorney here in, in San Francisco, uh, office of uh, George Gascon. And, uh, and there were seven uh, law firms who independently pro bono, uh, pro bono, so they didn't charge any money, investigated the San Francisco Police Department. Uh, it was findings were put before three judges, um, and the reviews, uh, the out the results that what was revealed um, shows all sorts of bias, um, disciplinary, uh, you know, lack of transparency and discipline. Uh, all of these ra uh, racist, homophobic text message scandals that have been happening over the past couple years, um, where the statute of limitations was allowed to run out so that officers couldn't be prosecuted. And so, I mean, it, the list goes on and on and on and on. Um, but we see how uh, the, the violence, the police violence specifically, um, certainly uh, tends to target and affect uh, the black community, uh, the Latino community, um, and that there's a, the highly controversial, st uh, stop and frisk, um, practice that they were doing in New York. Uh, they, they started doing it here in San Francisco with very little oversight. Um, and that disproportionately affects people who are of a darker complexion. It's the 21st century. I cannot believe we're not past this yet, but the good news is that people are waking up. A lot's being uh, done. Uh, people are standing up for the rights of our of citizens and neighbors, and uh, we are seeing some progress as we go along. Um, you know, when the Frisco Five went to City Hall and the mayor wasn't there to meet with them, they went to the Board of Supervisors and, you know, had an exchange with the board, who at that time didn't see uh, why uh, firing Chief Sir would be a significant. Um, step towards uh, police reform, but then the the blue the blue ribbon panel um, review came out that revealed all sorts of uh, inequities uh, and poor practices within the police department. And now, four of the board board members, four of the eleven supervisors in San Francisco, have come out and said, "You know what? The police department does need new leadership." So we do see that people stepping out and speaking up. Um, it works. <laughs> it works to enact change, whatever the change may be. Um, and so we just keep rolling along, folks. Just keep rolling along. So I'm going to let you uh, take, a, take a little break here before we get into the Common Thread Collective, which will be coming up next here on Mutiny Radio. And a quick little poem here. As a native 